for the fifth gift of infant Christmas an infant gave to me. A rebirthed episode from 2015 called Away in a Manger, the Smackdown. podcast is that um, last year we did one that was called end up being called the Christmas Jesus but the historical Jesus was right it called? Christmas. I thought it's called the Christmas Jesus but Christmas but Christmas. the topic of it was the historical Jesus in theory and then we didn't really stand on that topic very long even and so and so as res- we have had a lot of listeners who have kind of um, written in on the comments and then said, Hey, let's, I would like to hear more about this biblical stuff because we do, um, Mormon specific stuff, but we don't often spend a bunch of time on the, on the Bible stuff. And, and so the, since it's Christmas, it seems like a, a, you know, completely reasonable time to, uh, just look, focus in more like a laser on the Christmas stories itself instead of the more broader ranging, uh, dialogue that we had on on the last podcast that was named. And by Christmas story, you don't mean the you'll shoot your eye out leg lamp Christmas no. story. You, this, no, we're talking. This is a different one. We're talking about. We're talking about like smacking down baby Jesus. Yeah. Oh man, I baby I Jesus called him for the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, you clearly are calling in on your phone. Yeah, I am yeah. on my phone. Um, I. Yeah. I uh, it was like Snyder tradition because um, we had seven kids. We had enough for um, a cast of characters, and every Christmas Eve uh, night we would do Luke two. Uh, we'd reenact Luke two, and I was at the right age to be Joseph for a good, I don't know, eight years, and uh, I do remember feeling like I had uh, blue balled. I had grown up when I graduated. From being Joseph to being the ass <laughs> that, that my little sister Mary rode on <laughs> into Jerusalem. Wow. Oh, that's so cute. those are my two parts. I was Joseph for like ever. I I hated I mean so we did we did one of those one of those pageants in the Hammer family too every year. And although we did we did the readings like where we would read a little bit of Luke and then we'd read Matthew. And then we'd go back to Luke or something like that. But what what I I hated the role of Joseph because I just felt that he didn't do anything. And so when I was the youngest as a youngest kid, I was a, a little drummer boy. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then I and then after a while, I just became one of the the wise men. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> one of the 
one of the like touching stories that I remember from seminary, and uh, yes, all of my stories are from seminary, was how like the teacher was teaching us how you know Mary riding the donkey to Bethlehem was a foreshadowing of the way that Jesus would ride a donkey on his triumphal return to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, you know, the week before his arrest and execution, and just how like meaningful and symbolic that was. And the problem with that is, I mean, what's the problem with that? There's no donkey. There's no donkey in the scriptures. There's there's no donkey anywhere in the New Testament stories. It's Mary was, you know, the the donkey probably arose. It's like a popular depiction because it's like a way to get this poor pregnant lady for, you know, 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was just a way to give Randy a roll. Because I had outgrown outgrown the Joseph The donkey is entirely a a Randy vehicle. The donkey is as apocryphal (laughs) as you were playing the little drummer boy. (laughs) There's no donkey. It's actually actually the opposite of what you're your teacher had told you, which is to say it was the fact that Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem is why that's probably been added to the story apocryphally. Uh-huh. But, nice. but that's so cute that Mormons would draw like pseudo profundity uh, <laughs> from something that doesn't exist to something that does. <laughs> yes. Another data, uh, another data point for the testimony. Of the New Testament. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is totally off topic, so maybe you want to edit this out eventually. But do, do, do you know those stories where it's like the origin of the Christmas tree is the, oh, yes. you know, the needles that the point star. up to the sky? The yeah, 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 yeah. So I actually wrote one of those, and it is one of the <laughs> worst things ever. Like in, in my height of believing days and thinking, this is something that my kids will have as their Christmas <laughs> tradition. It was like I went to this cabin, and he saw the, the ghost of his grandfather, and everything is teach the children. Teach the children the true meaning. Oh, I pulled it out a couple of years ago and just barfed. <laughs> I, 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 I toyed with like trying to dig it up and, and maybe doing something with it. Uh, for this, but well, probably, I'll probably spare everyone. I, I was watching like re- this afternoon. I was like rewatching um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, the 1970 Rankin like Bass Christmas special. Thing? Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know if it's claymation, but anyway, they have the little dolls that they stop motion photography. Oh yeah. And that one is entirely about um, you know, like this this um, making myths about like all of the different things of Santa Claus. And so like the, the whole idea of it is they're like, all these things we know about Santa Claus, where did they all come from? And then they make just insanely stupid stories to try to explain, you know, why, why Santa, why did Santa put toys into stockings? It's because the Burgermeister Meister Burger of this town, <laughs> you know, uh, that's history, you know, made it out, you know, like it, it made toys outlawed. And so the kids, all they could do is they had to wash their stockings and they rent, you know, put them up over the fire. And so then Santa had to come in at the nighttime and put them in the stockings or something like that because of the law that prevented kids from having, you know, toys. You know, oh, yes. whatever. And so, and it really gets it like it starts to really break down when they, I don't know, when they explain the rain line. <laughs> this kind of yeah. thing, you know. But so. it makes you see where all this is coming from. Like we still have that tendency to like, oh, let's let's add some myth to this. Yep. Like today, I, hmm? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where do these stories come from? These these myths that we tell, or something like that, and then we have to explain it, like Glenn. In his, yes. I asked my family today, well, I asked my husband, 
So name me two stories about um, George Washington. He's like, oh, I don't know, the cherry tree and oh, no, uh, wooden the cherry teeth. Tree. <laughs> and both of those are myths. Both of those are myths. We have like season passes every year to Mount Vernon, and the cherry tree appears nowhere. That story doesn't come up until after George Washington's death, and it's invented by Mason Locke Weems, who writes this biography of him, but doesn't even put it in the first edition of the biography. He puts it in the fifth edition of the biography in like 1806. It's like the cherry tree is total fiction. And George Washington never wore wooden teeth. He had, they were made of ivory, gold, and lead. I mean, (laughs) much worse than wood. But those are the things that we know about him, right? Yeah. Well, I have to say wooden... We're still doing it. Wooden dentures are not uh, a myth. They actually existed... We had this antique uh, wooden set of dentures on display at, at our dental school at USC. Oh, I, I don't mean that wooden dentures. No, no, I'm just, I just wanted to just, make, I just was clarifying. Just, George <laughs> just, just, just in defense George. of wooden dentures. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying wooden teeth aren't like a fake thing, but Washington <laughs> yeah. did not have wooden teeth. Right. That's right. All right, what were you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the, the mother of all invented Christmas stories. The ones that have been canonized. Right. <laughs> okay, before before we do this, uh, I just want to ask, uh, Glenn, do you put out a nativity scene? Me personally? I, I, I do with Star Wars action figures, but uh, <laughs> Krista has a couple that are, uh, you know, traditional to her family. And so we've got, we've got two different nativities out on display. So you've got like a princess Leia with a No, it's a it's it's an R2D2 holding like a, a a present and then a Darth Vader and then um yeah, I, I forget what. And then I think I have I've I've used Simpson figures before. And then I I have I, I bought several years ago an Angel Moroni Christmas tree ornament, you know, for the the top of the tree. Yeah. And uh th- I usually put that in the background for the shepherds to to give it some authenticity. Because <laughs> since that that actually happened, right, whereas the right, Star Wars right. characters did not, you know, don't want to forget about Moroni, <laughs> right? Pre-existent Moroni, actually, right? At the time. You know, because he was a pre-existent angel. We we all were. All of us were there. Right. Yeah, but Moroni was. Moroni. Heather was specifically that one of those angels for the shepherds. I was. Right. That's what I've given to understand based on your singing talent. Aw, um, yay. Oh. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> First soprano. John was singing to the shepherds, you're wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> that one, and he was pointing up to the star that wasn't in the sky, the one point of... Of navigation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the first time I ever thought, um, it never even occurred to me how That's... silly it is, the idea that a star can appear over like this manger. Like, have you ever looked in the sky? What, what What's under that star? Yeah. What are you directly <laughs> under the star? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not actually what it even says. That's why we were going to have to go. To oh, my God. I did it. I fell into the trap. Well, and the same thing. It's like Glenn is like talking about the angels singing to the shepherds. And again, they're talking about, and then and then you just say, and they're pointing to a star. There's no star in the shepherd's right. story. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's it's stories. Totally different stories. So, I guess, I guess we should. Yeah, I, I guess it, you're huh? going to tell me that you weren't there either, John. <laughs> since oh, we're splitting I was, hairs. Oh, I was there. Okay. Um, <laughs> were you there? <laughs> and th- 
okay. enthusiastic singing angel, not not great <laughs> singing angel. But you got to do it. You got to do it in Australian accent. Were you there? Were you there? Yeah. <laughs> that was the debate with Bill Nye, the science guy. Yes. Unless you were right. there, you okay. can't you can't argue against something. Anyway, let's let's, let's start. The, yeah. So we're going to talk about the um, the Christmas stories from the Bible. And so what we have, you know, in the Bible, when we're talking about uh, the life of Jesus, we have the four canonical Gospels, um, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, of which Mark is the oldest one of these, and then Matthew and Luke, and then John is the later one. And Mark, um, as we may, if you if you ever look at the book, it's a little, it's a lot like Matthew and Luke because Matthew and Luke each had access to Mark. And so the authors, we don't know the names of any of these people. We, we, uh, later in the, in the next couple centuries, Christians like ascribed them to these names and put those names on them. But there's no reason to imagine that any of the authors of these books were named any of those things. But they were, weren't they four like distinct, uh, faith traditions, like communities of Christians. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So every single person. What we don't. What we never take. What we never understand with these things is that um, every single one of these per- people is an author. They have a, a their own authorial kind of point of view that they're trying to get across. They've got a message, and their message is also being presented to a particular audience. And so instead, what we try to do is piece it all together and sudden, and then we add all of our own apocryphal pieces too, like the donkey, you know, yes. like that <laughs> Shrek or whoever it is you know, to the, you know, the, the, the Jar Jar Binks character or whatever that are in these things, you know, and then, and, but, the, but in fact, we don't actually pay a lot of attention. And so, like I say, in the Hamer family, um, Christmas pageant, we would read a little bit of, um, Luke and then we'd switch to Matthew at a certain point and maybe go back to Luke. And, and so we'd read it as if it was one story, but it's two two couple stories and the original story mark ha- includes no no nativity so it mark starts out that that gospel starts out you know with the beginning of um uh, the historical jesus's actual ministry like you say where he is um a disciple of john the baptist and so that's it starts with the an adult jesus in the john the baptist story well you know mormons don't believe he was a disciple of john the baptist <laughs> So, so you're saying that's the earliest version of the Christmas story that's told? There's the no, John version? No, there's no, no. There's he's no, talking about Mark. 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 In the Mark version, there's no, there's no nativity at all. Oh, and okay, so, okay. And so what ends up happening is that, um, that the person who we call Matthew, the person that we call Luke, they have access to this book that the person we call Mark wrote, and they hate it. <laughs> they absolutely hate this book. That this book is, that this book, doesn't tell the story the way they like it at all and because so, they, they they want it to be more magical and more special and more in line and, with their faith tradition right they, their community understands the story differently okay and when they get a hold of this text on the other hand here's a text and they've never seen this text before nobody's ever written this kind of a a, a life of jesus kind of or a ministry of jesus text before and and so now they have it and now they have to and even in the the author of luke actually even writes because we you know, have seen that people have tried to write these things so many times and have done such a bad job right. with it. I'm going to correct it, and I'm going to write a better one. So, so the the order it goes: Mark, 
Matthew, John, Luke? Mark, no. Mark Matthew, Luke, John. Oh, Luke, and, John. And, and, okay. And Matthew and Luke are writing simultaneously, but they do not have access to each other's texts. So they when, do possibly also have another source text in addition to Mark, which is designated as Q, which would be the teachings oh, of Jesus. Okay. Which they both have material from, but then in addition to that, both Matthew and Luke have some idiosyncratic, unique material. This is not actually a lot, but the birth narratives are both part of that idiosyncratic material that they don't appear to have had each other's version for, because they're being written by two different communities at roughly the same time, which is why they're so different, and um, they get their dates wrong, they get their leaders wrong, so they they can't really... um, be reconciled. Okay. So, so we're starting with the earliest version, which is found in Matthew. Right. So, we, yeah, exactly. So, so we're just going to start by saying Mark is the earliest, as, as is, like Heather says, Q, which is this lost gospel, sayings gospel. Uh, we don't know for sure that it existed, but it almost certainly did. And, and that may be even earlier than Mark, but it's gone. We don't have it except for the fact that both Luke and Matthew are incorporating massive amounts of it into their Gospels. And so they, they have, they're each sharing a text, but they don't seem to know about each other. So it's not like Matthew is dependent on Luke or Luke is dependent on Matthew. Rather, Matthew and Luke are dependent on both Q and Mark. All right. And so Mark and Matthew get a hold, or Matthew, let's go to Matthew then, since that's where we're going to start with. He, he gets a hold of this, and as he's re- reading this story, he doesn't think that it makes any sense to start um, a, a story of the life of Jesus at when Jesus is getting baptized by John the Baptist. He wants to start at the beginning of, you know, like a birth of Jesus. And so he introduces a first a, a lineage, and he creates a lineage that sort of sounds like an Old Testament lineage where you have this whole long list of begats, you know, and then that leads to uh, Joseph and Mary and then Jesus. And then, and then he has a story. And like I say, we tend to read these stories together and we conflate them, but they're actually very, very different. And so what I thought we'd do today is we'll read the two different texts and we'll talk about each one individually. And so if people want to do, does somebody want to read the beginning? We're starting even just, just um, to add to that, John, so it's not just Matthew who comes up with a lineage. Separately, Luke comes up with a lineage, and that's in Luke 3. And they both trace Jesus' line through Joseph back to different sons of David. Right. Which is a big problem. Right. So exactly. So essentially both Matthew and Luke, the authors of, the, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll just call them that. That's not their names. <laughs> so anyway, just, we don't know. These yeah. are anonymous authors. Anyway, Matthew and Luke um, both have the idea that the Messiah has to be from the house of David. Right. And so they link, link a, they create a lineage, but these lineages are not the same as each other. And, and Matthew's, for example, is... Um, contradicts the Old Testament even, and so he he's doing he wants to have like fourteen generations to this and that and the other thing. So in other words, to add it all up, he deletes people and and, and yeah, because back then like uh, seven was kind of a magical number, so double right. seven is double magical. Right. So he made a magical lineage, and so in order to do that, he had to to screw with the records and 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 he and it's and and all the ones between the most re, the most recent generations are all fictional so when, when he's doing nice the double when he's doing the double 7 is that because it had been prophesied that it would be 
you know, a seventh generation of seventh generation, or is he really just kind of making it up there? Like, like is he trying to retro, he's not retrofitting it to some previous prophecy? Not okay. to that prophecy. There's no prophecy of the number of seven, but there okay. are prophecies about um, a son of David. Yeah, he had to be okay. a descendant of David. Because right. David was their, you know, their last great king before they became, like, captives forever. Which also wasn't true, but... Yeah, okay. but that's the that's where that's, <laughs> that's, right. what, that's where that's they're, the that's the that they're going from. Yeah, the house of yeah. David. House so of in other David. words, there's a there, the um, the Old Testament prophecy of the house of David that was written right before the destruction of Jerusalem was that the scepter will never fall from Judah and the house of David. And so the idea, like there had already this 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 line of kings had been existing for whatever it had been two hundred years, and and then the prophet prophesied right away that it would never fall and then like one generation later it falls <laughs> and so and so that's the that's like the conundrum of the old testament is this failed prophecy and so when when that failed prophecy happens then there's a lot of people who prophes start to begin prophesying that there's going to be a new a new David that's going to rise, a new Messiah. And as we talk about Messiah, it just means anointed one, which just means king. And so a new king of Jerusalem, a new king of Judah, will come from this same royal house. And so that's that's why. All right, so who wants to read? So we're going to start at Matthew 1, 18. Let's just skip the big ads. <laughs> yeah. I'll read it. Go ahead. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Wait, what translation is this? This is not the King James. <laughs> this is the, and a, the New Revised Standard. Okay. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Christ, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, if you know what I mean, <laughs> she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. That was nice. (laughs) Rather than have her stoned. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, very important, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which means salvation, right? For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. I can't say look. It's behold. <laughs> look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Just let go of your Mormon baggage. <laughs> I, um, I, I love these stories so much. I think I could, I think I could say them by memory. Um, so Isaiah, that's from Isaiah 7:14, which means, so Emmanuel means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus, which is not what the angel told them to do. No, it was not what the prophecy said. They said to name him Emmanuel, which means right. God is with us, but they named him Yeshua, which means salvation. So they're trying so hard here to get, well, the, you know, the author of Matthew is trying to get this prophecy to work out. Right. And it's like, you got to choose one or the other. All right. All right so we, we're getting the virgin birth out of this. Emmanuel's kind of close. Uh, all right, we'll just leave it. And then they named him Jesus. Yeah, and so this is this is already highlighting, like you're saying, this uh, um, one of these authorial interests of the the author of Matthew, and so Matthew is 
really, 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 really interested in taking Old Testament um, prophets and different sayings about them, and 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 actually taking them crazily out of context, and then and then yes. piecing those together as if those then predicted Jesus. Well, and so, and this is like another data point in the argument from embarrassment that supports that there was a historical Jesus is if they made this story out of whole cloth, his name would have been Emmanuel. But everyone knew his name was Jesus. Everyone, And so they try so hard to retrofit, but they have to deal with problems. Like his name, his name was Jesus. And oh, guess what? He's also from Nazareth. Right. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. Yeah. And so exactly. So so since his name was Jesus and not Emmanuel, it doesn't really fit the prophecy here. Also this prophecy here where it says the virgin shall conceive. So that is um, highlighting the fact that Matthew here is working from the Septuagint, which is to say the Greek Old Testament. And so Matthew is a Greek writer. And um, in and that is way the way that is translated in the Septuagint, but in the in the Hebrew text, this is just the young young woman or something. It has nothing to do with virginity. So. Where it's more like the way we understand maiden. Where if I said maiden, yes, at one point it meant you know that you ha- that you're a virgin, but it also just means young girl. It right. could be either way. Right. All right. Continue. Hey, I'll read it. I'll read it. Okay. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, (laughs) and I'm going to do this in my Monty Python voice, where is the child? (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. Your life of Brian voice. Yeah, the life of Brian voice. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Because the H is silent. Right. Homage? Yeah. I'm a drunk. <laughs> yeah. When King Arid heard this. <laughs> heard this. <laughs> heard this. E was frightened. How are you? That's waiting for government. Oh. And all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Micah 5.2. You want me to keep going? No, that's good. Okay, so we can talk about that. Uh, This story never happened. <laughs> right. Uh, so, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say. So, part of the part of the thing that when, when when people were writing biographies in the in antiquity, people people didn't have the sense that we have now. So nowadays, we have this idea of um, like the Freud and psychology, and we have this idea that your you, these encounters that you have in 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 young age, you'll tell like a story of how something happened to you as a kid, and that had like this impact on your life, and that's why you're you know, that's why you're so loyal now, or that's why you're so noble, or whatever it is. That's why you know, in other words, this thing that happened to you caused you to learn that life lesson. They, they had no sense of that at all. That there was some some kind of psychological development in antiquity. Instead, the whole idea of antiquity is that. 
that people had an innate character that was like just from birth. And so when people would then go ahead and write, um, write stories and create stories about, um, Caesar or about anybody, they would, they would show how, um, like there were all these signs that indicated, you know, that they were this incredible person right from the start. And so Matthew, not having any stories at all from Mark, you know, he, he what he's doing here is saying there, there are signs here that's going to indicate that this is somebody who has like an incredible life predestined to him. Yeah, and it's and, really but the only thing they have in common. It really is the um, the virgin birth, and in in Matthew, it's Joseph who receives these um, visitations in the night that tell him that it's the Holy Spirit. And um, in Luke, you get the Annunciation of Gabriel to Mary, so she actually knows what's going on. You have no idea what's going on, what is in Mary's head. In Matthew, it could well. I mean, people have postulated that. You know, he was an illegitimate child, but he would have been adopted. As soon as Joseph marries her, then he's adopted into the lineage of David either way. But this whole, like, idea of the star appearing as one of those signs that, you know, shows that the birth is miraculous, that's another thing that you can point to and say it would not, there's no evidence for it. Like, what would the new star have been? You know, could it be a comet? Uh, Could it be a supernova? The problem is there should be a record of it because the Greeks and the Romans were very good record keepers and they were always looking at the sky for signs. You know, they were practicing astronomy and astrology. If something happened in the sky, they talked about it. And, and even, even like stars showing up or new stars were evil omens. Comets were, um, there was, and there, there was, was like though. a famine coming. No, but there, there is another record separate from this of a star appearing in the sky I, I don't have it at my fingertips but it was in the uh, on the American continent it was Nephi there was, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they saw it too that's true and in, what the in, hell in fact, are you talking fact, about one, one of the prophets at the time was, was named Nephi and he just like left and disappeared and some have said that he was one of these wise men from the east who was there at Jesus's birth it was it was nephi from from our you know we know we know <laughs> we know but, but was that in north america or south america because the hemispheric sky is very different not not i mean south america yeah, yeah. which I mean, theory are you going with glenn the, the, only, the only difference is that it made it look like it was there for three whole days and then there was no night or something like that. You know, that that's the a hemisphere. A day, difference. a night, but, and a day as if it were one day. As it were right. That's when he right. dies. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Birth, birth stories. People. Okay, hey, hey. Look, <laughs> the, the thing, it's true. Are you bearing your tail? Also, wasn't, wasn't Jesus born in Jerusalem? I think everyone who's read Alma knows that Jesus was born in Jerusalem. No, you, no you're the wrong. Land, the land <laughs> no. of Jerusalem. No. Oh, right. The land. No, How were they supposed to know? It had been hundreds of years since they had even been there. No, this, this is... <laughs> Give actual, them a break, Heather. This is an actual story from my mission. Uh, uh, evangelical, fundamentalist Christian bashed with me on the, on the doorstep. She said, I can prove your church is false. You're... Joseph Smith claims in this book that it's the most correct book uh, on the planet. And it says that he was born uh, in Jerusalem. And I countered with no. It literally says he was born at Jerusalem, which is in proximity. (laughs) It says at. Look it up. He was born. Look at the preposition. (laughs) Look it up. It says at Jerusalem. There you go. 
Q Q E D. And and then you said you said and I've been Joseph and an ass. So there. <laughs> but I, I, what I wanted to say about this verse is that it's so fantastical. Um, the idea that, but even before Jesus was born, like the king, the puppet king of the Romans, Herod. Um, knew about it and was scared and, and re- reacted about this this baby that's going to be born. Where you know it seems like there'd be a record of, of that kind of a disturbance. Yeah, especially oh. if all of Jerusalem was troubled with the him. Whole Why would city. They trouble? Yeah. The they didn't, whole city. The whole city. They didn't like Herod. Herod was a tyrant. He was a murderer. He was. There's going to be yeah. There's going to be stuff with this with Herod in the in this story in Matthew's story that would have been recorded. So there's no doubt that that all this stuff is Matthew's invention and not, not history with Herod. So. But it's kind of great just to, for, you know, narrative tension that you have this like evil king out to kill this upstart, you know, nobody born in Bethlehem. I, I think it works. I like it. <laughs> all right. I'll, guess okay. I'll, I'll go over. It's a Disney villain. Yeah. Are we on six according to your seven? I think seven. Then Herod. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men. Everybody loves the wise men. One of them's always black for some reason. <laughs> right. Then, but, but although, 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 when when Matthew's writing this, he's he's referring to to Zoroastrians probably. So this is probably um, Persians. Okay. In other words, but yes, they're uh, kind of dark. Well, ultimately, ultimately, there's not three wise men, too, by the way, in the story. It's three it's, gifts. It's three gifts, three yeah. gifts. So they make it to three we'll wise get there. men. We'll get okay, there. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> then Herod secretly called for the wise men and, and learned. And learned. <laughs> learned. And learned. From, learned. I thought he was talking about the learned. And learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where... See? This is in here. Oh, there it is. You're right. You're right. Yeah, until it stopped over the place where the child was. Like, there's a fucking star hovering 30 feet above this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Matthew doesn't know a lot about astrology. No. <laughs> Maybe it was like a firefly. It's like you can't follow a star to an address. Right? <laughs> doesn't work. No. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed. This is so cartoonishly funny to me now. Sorry. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Should I keep going? Or No, no, that's good. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, like you're pointing out, the, the, the star thing here has gotten crazy. <laughs> it's silly. Yeah. And then, and then also the... Um, you know, so now we're gonna we're gonna start to see here like some contradictions to the. I mean, obviously the way that people try to um, reconcile this with Luke's account is that they make this happen like way later. But essentially, they say, you know, on entering the house. So, so what we can kind of indicate here, in other words, they're in a house. They're not in a stable, obviously. So the the wise men here aren't coming to 
like some kind of stable with shepherds and mangers and cows and donkeys. <laughs> Instead, they're going to a house. And, and by the way, there is no indication at all that has happened all the way up until this moment that um, Joseph and Mary are from Nazareth and they're just visiting Bethlehem. They just have a house. They live in Bethlehem. Yeah. That's where they live. And so there's nothing to indicate here in Matthew's understanding of this story that there's that the that these guys are from anywhere besides Bethlehem at this point. Right. And I remember being told well, first of all, my kids were watching Studio C last night. Do you know what that is? That's the comedy troupe from BYU. Oh, <laughs> yes. My bro- yes. my little brother adores oh, so it. So painful. Yeah, people eat it up so much. Yeah. But it actually, there was a funny skit about like the fourth wise man who like put it off to the last minute and had to get a gift card. So he was too ashamed to show up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's as edgy as they get. I know. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the three wise men, that'll catch on. Anyway, but um, so these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I remember in seminary how these were, you know, so, so meaningful because gold, well, who doesn't like gold? And frankincense is the prayers of heaven rising up, and myrrh is, you know, anointing at his burial. So, you know, like herbs to anoint with at the burial. So even in this, um, in, in this moment of his nascency, it's prefiguring the moment of his um, pre-resurrection. Um, so I think, I, and if the author was meaning to do that, I think it's lovely. I think it works. Yeah, I think he is meaning to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's, it's like it's like they have in, in the life of Brian. You know, thanks for the, very much for the golden frankincense, but you know, go easy on the myrrh next time. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can keep, you can yeah. keep that garbage gift. <laughs> you know? I love that, and that's the guy that's playing the mother of Brian. I know, so awesome. Are you a virgin? What? <laughs> 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 she goes off to give a blowjob to a centurion or something like that. Uh, all right, John, I think it's your turn to read. Okay. Uh, and so then they, they they left to the own country by the other road. That's where we were? Yep. Okay. So now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, quote, Out of Egypt I shall call my son. Which oh. is quoting Hosea 11.1. 1. <laughs> but but Hosea there is very this is again so just to explain like how Matthew's idea of this thing Hosea there is in if you go into the context of what Hosea is actually talking about out of Egypt I've called my son he's he's referring specifically to Israel the children of Israel so they, yeah wouldn't it have been, been to Moses the Israel nation the story being yeah liberated. in other words, yeah. In other words the, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt according to the story and that they had come out of Egypt and they've been called and so that's what Hosea is saying so so this is not in any way a prophecy about um, a future Messiah at all, at least as far as Hosea was saying. Matthew has a different idea of these things. So Matthew's idea is that all of these nuggets out of scripture can be repurposed to talk about Jesus. 
Well, it gives it validation and and it makes it seem... uh, Well, it also ties it into the most important Israelite story, which is the liberation from bondage in Egypt as well, which is like foremost in the Israelite nation's um, memory and tradition. And then he kind of takes that Egyptian thing and runs with it because that's clearly where the slaughter of the innocent stuff comes from. Well, that and Herod kills his own sons. That that we actually do have documentation of that Herod was, you know, killed his own sons because he was worried about them taking over his power. But yeah, he just sort of is like, all right, well, let's use some of this other Old Testament stuff here too, and let's let's connect Egypt in many ways. And even like the slaughter of innocents itself is so nonsensical. Well, it, it sounds to me like uh, the author of Matthew really likes uh, poetic symmetry in the writing. You know, I mean, you, you said this kind of tongue in cheek uh, a couple minutes ago, Heather, that you know, writing about this, putting this in the beginning, is foreshadowing the ending almost as if he knew it. And John's like, yeah, because he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> here it is again. So maybe it's not really just an error that he's reading from Hosea, uh, but he's really trying and stretching to get this poetic symmetry that just like the Israelites came out of Egypt, so did the Messiah also come out of Egypt. And, you know, the more of these parallels that you have, the, the stronger you feel the spirit when you identify the parallels and you're like, oh, it must be. Right. right. No, he's John, he's doing that very deliberate. You can no, he's doing that, that very deliberate. There's no explanation for that. He, he 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 he's constantly doing that. So this is a literary work. Matthew yeah. is a literary right. work, and so he is writing, and he and he's actually cra- crafting like episodes where right. Jesus gives you know like X number of sermons and X number of things, and so it's 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 all entirely timed episodically in order to make a literary whole. It has nothing to do with. Um, it's not history, so. But, yeah, but tell me who his audience is, John. I can't remember whether Jews. this was for. Is it the Jewish audience, or yes. is it the? Is it the? Well, yes, but is it in um, in the diaspora? Is it a, a Greek Jewish audience? It's it's obviously Greek speaking because he's writing in Greek, but it is definitely Matthew is more concerned with a a Greek. Um, Greek speaker Jews who have converted to Christianity, and they're they're the people he's writing to because he's actually very interested in showing to them that Jesus had to have been the Messiah biblically. Right, right. You know, Which so, I think is is why you have all of this from the Hebrew scriptures because these are like the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. So you have this constant tie into the old stories of the Hebrew scriptures and trying to associate Jesus with the figure of Moses. Right. But I mean, Luke is going to have, when we get to Luke, Luke is going to have like intent. Luke loves the Hebrew scriptures too, but is not writing to the same audience at all. And so Luke loves all that stuff and is drawing from it and is creatively creating stories based on the Old Testament, the, the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, but, um, but is not writing specifically to um, Greek-speaking Jews the way Matthew is. Matthew right. is, is right. doing that. That's and so wondering. Matthew is very interested. So Matthew, um, is, is his gospel is saying, essentially, uh, you know, like when, we, when it comes down to brass tacks, um, Jesus doesn't, is not replacing the law. The law is entirely intact. We still have to obey the law, get circumcised, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, but in, uh, and so, which is completely different from what Luke's position is. Yeah, which really was Peter. You know, there's Peter's position and there was Paul's position. I think they had kind of a conflict where Peter Peter wanted to um, 
kind of keep, kind of just make Christianity just an offshoot of Judaism, uh, where Paul, you know, makes me think that Luke was more of a follower of Paul, right? And Matthew was more of a follower of Peter, that tradition, right? Yeah. So in th- that same kind of idea, yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. All right, Heather, you're up. Is it me again? All right, we've just read Hosea, right? When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, I always picture him as that, um, oh gosh, who's the villain in Aladdin? Yeah, Jafar. Jafar. I always, Jafar. Jafar. Jafar too. I always picture Herod as Jafar. Do you really picture him? It's I was, totally I was Jafar, doing it earlier, yeah. Does he have an, an Iago? Yeah, he's got the know. little bird. Or Iago. Patience, <laughs> yes. Iago. Patience. Tricked by them? <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised. I think I'm going to have a heart attack and die from surprise. Astrologers. Edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more, Jeremiah 31. Which so could mean is, anything, could apply to, any, like, pick right. your battle in which a lot of Hebrew children died. And Yeah, because Ramah is not Bethlehem. Ramah is north of Jerusalem. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, so is, is this another one of these indications that he had these Old Testament Hebrew scriptures in mind that he yes. wanted to use as validation? And so he created a story around it to say this is what that was prophesying. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a an echo of the Moses story. So Moses um, in the Moses story, um, the the Pharaoh kills the firstborn of of Israel or, you know, has everyone has killed or so. Yeah. And so the same exact, the same exact thing is happening here in this story. But this is the one, this is the moment here where we can say there's no way, even though this is negative evidence. So, so a lot of cases in history, when we have ancient history, we just don't have, we don't have all of ancient history. We only have what survived. So we only have when people wrote stuff down and that passed to us and it came to us. And so very important things just did not survive and get written down and, you know, survive all the way to us. But in this case, the idea that the that Herod actually massacred all these babies, you know, when we actually have this intensely... Um, you know, detailed history by Josephus, who is a uh, first century of the common era uh, Jewish historian writing to the Roman audience, and he writes three major books on Jewish history, and Herod is a major character. The idea in this case that, that Josephus wouldn't include this event if this event actually <laughs> happened is pretty much just, just so, yeah, it's absolutely preposterous. It's so silly and stupid. So in other, there's no way in hell that this happened. It's so I, I, I want to take a stab at, at uh, just pure speculation here. So I've got a blue shirt on. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's talking about Rachel weeping for her children. Now, Rachel was the younger sister of Leah, right? And both of them were married to Israel, right? right? And and Rachel had two kids, Joseph, who was the favorite, 
And that's why all the other ones were jealous of him and threw him in the pit and blah, blah, blah. And then what was it? Benjamin? I don't, I don't know. There were, there were two. Um, but so the, and Joseph has two kids, Ephraim and Manasseh. So we're talking about the Northern kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking exactly. So we're talking about the Northern kingdom. So that this, this prophecy or this scripture in Jeremiah, if it's put in context, is probably talking about the Northern kingdom being taken captivity by the Assyrians and and not talking about the whole of Israel, because the whole of Israel would not be represented by Rachel as their mother. It's right? not even the whole of Israel. It's the right. land of Bethlehem that he's applying it to. Right. And it's and, and like you were pointing out, Glenn, it's so it's north. Right. It's Ramah, it's the northern up, kingdom. And in Benjamin or in Ephraim, one of the two, wherever Ramah is, but it's like a little bit north of Judah. It's Jerusalem, and so it's either depending on where the border of Benjamin and, and, and Ephraim is, it's up there. And so that's why it's Rachel, because we're talking about the northern kingdom. So The, the original context in Jeremiah is yeah. referring to something completely different right. than what Matthew is pulling it out for. Right. Well, yeah. and even, I mean, he's the... The author here is creating this parallel to what happened in Egypt, which also almost certainly never happened because there's no record of um, of Pharaoh ever ordering the slaughter of all the newborn Hebrews, which would be a ridiculous idea anyway. It's utter nonsense to say slaveholders say, oh, we have too many slaves. That's like saying I have too much cattle or I have too much money. If you did, you would sell them. The last thing you would do is kill your workforce. Right. So even that is, you know, a ridiculous story, which was created for the pathos of Moses, which was created for Moses's nativity Moses. story. Moses. Right. The, the, or, or the, so let it be written. The first, we have, so let it be done. We have wonderful, we have wonderful records from Egypt. <laughs> yeah, they wrote a lot of shit down. And, 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 the, and, the fine, and the reality is is that they were able to write it on papyrus. The papyrus survives because there's no water in Egypt. And so it, the result is we have better records from there than almost anywhere else. There's, anyway, so. and there's Which no is how we got the, the book of Abraham. <laughs> Which is how we got the book of Abraham. Michael Chandler brought him to, to Kirtland. <laughs> exactly. All right, I guess, Abraham. Glenn, All right. Glenn, I think you're up. Okay, I am going to finish up Matthew here. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. To those who were seeking the child's life are dead. I'll say that again. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard... What? Ar- Archelaus? Yeah. Is that right? When he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. And that's there how he, he got made to his home. That's how he got to. Yeah, insert the. the so that's how he got to. You know, from the, exactly. the Santa Claus coming down thing. <laughs> and that's, that's, really, that's why Santa Claus he, has whiskers. <laughs> Right. And that's why Jesus was in Nazareth, so that he had been so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Nailed it. Judges 13, 5. You can't explain that. You can't explain that. Uh, Oh, my God. That's so bad. That's like that's like Matthew's worst one. Out of this whole thing, I mean, Matthew. Matthew is out of control when he comes. No to wonder the author of Matthew didn't use his real name. 
I know, my, right? Good lord! But when yeah, that one's the worst. So Na- this one, this last one here, Nazarene. So this is this is like um, uh, this special type of um, cl- priestly class that Samson was. You know, and so how like Samson's power had been because he refused to cut his. John, hair. We're, like, we're not we're not using the word special anymore on this podcast. Okay, come on, so Glenn. This very particular class of of uh, Israelite, where you had a special laws that applied to you, where you didn't, I don't know, whatever, eat meat, John, hair, all this kind of thing. So, any of in any mess that has nothing to do. With, being a Nazarite has nothing to do with being from Nazareth. <laughs> so anyway, that's just, it's just totally not related. You know, this is like this is uh, this embarrassing. Is, this is like taking your mallet and smashing like uh, a, a star shaped your star shaped toy into like a rectangular shaped hole. Yeah, just yep. force fitting. Uh, you know, so called uh, prophecies of your your Messiah. But what we can what we can see here with Matthew though is that you know in other words this this is a story and that's all that's the whole story we don't have shepherds we don't have all you know all these other things we don't have like a visitation to Mary the only the angels are coming to Joseph Joseph is the guy you know there is he's, he's in a house he's in a house there is there's like super important Zoroastrian priests who are wise and they are going and visiting the king and that and all of this stuff is happening like with kings and egypt and big stuff you and know everybody knows about it like his birth yeah. is not it, it, i mean that's like the big news of the day that's right mm-hmm. like that's the why, messiah that's why, is uh, about to get born y'all like yeah. it's this is going down <laughs> and that's why this made it into Josephus and every other prophet. <laughs> right. Yes. All the way to the other side of the world. <laughs> All the way to, to America. The All the way into the, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's oh. not forget. Stop, don't forget about the, we really, you didn't include the Nephite version of the. We don't the, have time. The Christmas story in You here. guys actually have to sleep tonight. <laughs> are, are you recording, Randy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do like. Oh, I we got to start over. That, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, I do have to say I, I like the Luke one better. I mean, Matthew is fine, but they—I don't know. I, I kind of like the one where they're poorer because in Matthew they're not—they're not you know poor schmoes from Nazareth. They're living in a house in Bethlehem, and they've got enough money to go live in Egypt, like to travel two hundred yeah. miles to Egypt That's for a, a few deal. years and come back. You know, so I don't, and, and they're being visited by the the kings and or the wise men and getting all this gold and getting gold. And myrrh, yeah, they're, the they're set up. They're set up from an, like he's got he's a trust fund baby in this one. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I don't know. I guess because I grew up poor that I I just always connected with the Luke version better, where it's much more about like trying to humanize him and he's just one of the people and it's like a Cinderella story. He starts from nothing. He's a self made man. So. Well, and remember, um, Luke is the more popular one. I mean, that's the nativity scene. Right. Um, that's the, you know, the, the pageants. Well, and, the and angels also, sing in Luke. And, and, and this like, one, they just appear in dreams and tell you to move. But right. they sing in Luke. It's much more exciting. And People my uh, like wise men, though. I mean, because those guys. That's got, all. That's about it, isn't it? Isn't, isn't wise men from, well, like, all you can incorporate in the star? No. Well, Herod killing everybody. That's not that's not something that you'd put in a pageant. <laughs> it's just like, ah! <laughs> smack, smack. 
kill the kids. You never, you never. Oh, you do. You never reenacted the massacre of the innocents in the Snyder family pageant. All children young to slay. That is a great idea. Why doesn't that happen? That would make it so much more fun. Like with with the little beanbag. We we had beanbags that were made of like a little beanbag nativity, and we would use those to act out. Luke, we should have done Matthew and Herod's. Just like, That's awesome. Just get like a bunch of lightsabers and a bunch of cabbage patches. Yes. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like the whole the whole massacre of the sand people. Or Legos, because you can take their heads off and then put them back on. Oh, we can use Lego figures. <laughs> so I, I have to invoke my mission president because I always do when when he, you know, uh, he, you guys, do you guys have you guys ever seen Luke two the church video? No. Yes, of course. My mission president made that, and they made it on site in Jerusalem. Oh. And, and the only yeah, that's the one where there's there's like no speaking, right? Or, no, it's, uh, it's all it's, it's all, all like in local. I think but it was no, in, like yeah, subtitles. I think it was in Hebrew because I don't think they had enough right. people that speak Aramaic. But uh, uh, it was filmed on site, and the only two American actors in the whole movie. Everyone else is a native of, of the local area. The only two are, are Joseph and Mary. That's easy to guess. I was going to guess. That. <laughs> well, except for the angel. I mean, where there where there must have been where, if there were angels. No, there was no. It's it's kind of like like they they wanted to make it seem like an indie film, like raw and yeah. like this is what it would look like if you could go back in time and just watch what happened. And he was really proud of the barn um, scene because uh, he thought that this is the most authentic. Uh, you know, barn. This is how a, a barn would look like two thousand years cave? ago. It was like a cave. Yeah. Yeah. There's no barn you... in Matthew. <laughs> there's <laughs> it's a manger. Luke two. Did you not? <laughs> well, there's listen there's to no me? barn in Luke either. There's a manger. That's it. But a manger would be in a barn. Are you sure? Were you no, there? You could, Were you there? Were you there? Were you there? Just in the houses. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I was taught that too. That if if somebody had a nativity that um, showed them in a cave, that they were really faithful. That they cared about the story of Jesus. That they were scriptorians because it would have been in a cave. But the, my my favorite version from- of the story was the one where it was acted out on stage, and there was one kid who was perfectly awesome kid that couldn't stand to see the innkeeper deny Jesus and Mary. So he said, come in, you can stay at my place. (laughs) I heard that. That's such a horrible story. (laughs) That's like somebody who like stood up in in a performance. of. I'm not going to say that that kid was special, but that's that's an element of the story. Let it go, Glenn. Let it go. The the cave, I think, is from like the Apocrypha. So it's from the Proto-Evangelium of James. So there's like a bunch of different elements of the story that we, we, the way we have it, that come from apocryphal books that we don't use because they're insane. <laughs> but awesome sometimes. Whereas these are so <laughs> legit. But, well, you, you can't believe how insane the proto-evangelium is. <laughs> you know, like the kind of thing that like, because it's like the whole like young young you know like toddler jesus and toddler jesus is like you know like he like hangs out with the little other boys and and the other boys will say something it's like what well, curse you and die then <laughs> and just like, just like, oh that's a twilight just, episode what are yeah, yeah what are these twilight what are these own episodes yeah. so i'm just saying that that's where what are these apocryphal books john the proto evangelium of james 
And it's got it's got like Jesus from a like toddler a to twelve. Yeah, yeah. like, like the missing years with superpowers, yeah. dude. Yeah. Why? Toddler why haven't Tyler I heard Jesus. this from Mike Tannehill? I don't because <laughs> because 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 frankly, it it does interact with our understanding of the story. So like like you're talking about having it in a cave and stuff like that. That those kind of details come from these um, apocryphal stories that still were important for the art and everything. And so, like, you can go to, like, medieval cathedrals in uh, Europe that have images from these apocryphal gospels, but that they're not in the canon now. You know, you know who uses those are, like, these um, pseudo-scholars, uh, motivational speakers. Like, uh, his name is Don Black. Uh, he used all these apocryphal stories. Like, he's like, he's, I'm going to let you in on a secret, kids. When Jesus was a young boy, Joseph wasn't a very good carpenter. And, and when he, when he, the stuff he would make was a little, little crooked, Jesus, Jesus would reach up and touch it and straighten it. Yeah, exactly. Aww. Right? No, no, no. They, they did that. They did that in the Mel Gibson Passing of the Christ, where yeah. he like invents the table. Yeah, he cares. <laughs> yeah. Someday people will want to sit at a table and not on the ground. And Mary laughs at him. That was awesome. Yeah. Isn't there like a Saturday Night Live that's like, oh, we found these relics of uh, uh, from from antiquity where Jesus, they're like things that Jesus had made, and they're these like terrible tables. They're all rickety. <laughs> oh, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> that's like, that's like, great. Good thing that he had a side job because <laughs> he was yeah. never going to make he it. He wasn't a, a carpenter. good carpenter. Don't, don't, don't quit your day job. Uh, that, that reminds me of Bart's line <laughs> when, uh, when Marge takes up carpentry, and he's like, Wow, Mom, you're like the Jesus of carpenters. <laughs> and she's like, oh, such sweet blasphemy, Bart. <laughs> All right. Uh, with Luke 2. Okay. Whose turn? Mine, I guess. Great. Okay. In those days, there a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that what? all the world should Caesar be written. Augustus. This is disorienting me, not using the King James. Because <laughs> I know Luke 2 really well. I didn't know Matthew very well. Yeah, but that's such a bad translation. I know, but it's familiar. Anyway, go ahead. Was, wasn't wasn't Emperor Augustus in some records also said to have been born from a virgin birth? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it was Julius Caesar. It's, so Julius Caesar um, sometimes claimed that his mother was was Aphrodite, was Venus. Mm. Okay. That's not as cool. Anyway, but wait, wait, Julius Caesar was the first. Caesarean section, right? So Aphrodite had a C-section? No, I don't no, get no, it. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a Caesarean <laughs> section, I don't think. I don't, I don't remember how it worked. Anyway, they're definitely, they're definitely descended from Aphrodite, however it worked. <laughs> so, definitely. definitely. That's, okay. in the, that's in the Aeneid. <laughs> so, right. You know, which Augustus, Augustus commissioned. So they're, they're definitely from the Venus Family. Yeah, I was going to say Aphrodite's the Greek name. It's Venus. The name. Yeah, yeah. Venus, the Venus family. So, okay, that Sorry. all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration, and it was taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and all went to their own towns to be registered. This is crap, by the way. Of course, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, should we just stop on every sentence here? That this never is crazy. You, you, you know, John, the title of this episode is John Hamer shits on everyone's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're titling this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 
That didn't happen. Bye bye. Okay, okay. So Jesus. It's okay. not real, people. That didn't happen. Okay, it's not real. It's because the Roman emperors did not give a rat's ass for what hometown you might have been from. <laughs> right. All no, they cared not, was. Not just your hometown, but like who you descended from a thousand years ago. I yeah, can't, exactly. I can't like, name who I've descended from a thousand years ago. Exactly. They're like, where in the name of hell do you live now? How much money do you have? And are you going to give it to us? Because <laughs> right, we want it. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what the idea is. We do not care where you're from or who you are or anything. We want your money. Okay. So Joseph also, also went from the town of Nazareth. So in this case, see, Joseph lives in Nazareth to begin with in this story in Galilee, to Judea, to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. Okay, go ahead, Heather. Well, I'm just saying, well, this gets the wrong ruler again. Well, I mean, they're conflicting here. So Luke has it under King Herod's rule, and Quirinius doesn't take over until after King Herod's rule. Right. So... And the census, which the registration that they do, takes place two or three years after the birth of Jesus anyway. So the dates are all wrong. All of of Luke's dates don't work. And so, in fact, Luke Luke is trying to do here is – so Luke has a completely different um, um, basis and and where Luke is coming from than what Matthew was coming from. So when when we were talking about Matthew before, we are talking about somebody who is a Greek-speaking – Jewish per- Christian who is talking to other Greek-speaking Jewish Christians and is very interested in that. Luke is more likely um, a Gentile who is um, Greek-speaking who is very interested in in the Septuagint and actually knows it backwards and forwards, but is not in fact Jewish because doesn't understand Judaism very well. So, right. and so, and actually also doesn't get the dates well. So Luke is trying to write. All of these things here, where where um, Luke is saying that um, you know, like so and so was you know, like in charge of this and that and the other thing. And so there's almost always trying to be like a Hellenistic chronology, but it's not an actual. It doesn't actually work. So right, and again, well, and because he starts him out in Nazareth, then he has to come up with this pretext. Right. For getting him to Bethlehem. Because right. everybody is, knew he was from Nazareth. Right. From Nazareth, right. right. So so then he's got this story about how everybody has to go to a different city and to you know align him again with the Davidic prophecies. Right. So we have, we have the, the two different authors here are faced with the same issue, which is we know Jesus is from Nazareth, but we know that the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so the two of them have come up with different ways to make it happen. So right. Matthew's way was they're from Bethlehem, and then they have this little Egyptian sojourn, <laughs> and then they and then the, after they after we're done with Egypt now, and then, then they go up to Nazareth because that's where where they wanted to live, and they're yeah, <laughs> they were, they're going like, to live in this podunk crap ball village. You're like, okay, you're done with Egypt, so now why don't you go move to Nazareth? Because well, why didn't they a Nazarene? Why didn't they just go straight to Nazareth? Because they knew that he was just killing the babies in Bethlehem. Why did they have to go all the way to Egypt? They could have gone straight to Nazareth. Because the prophecy said out of Egypt. <laughs> oh yes, of course. We that forgot prophecy. about that prophecy. Yes. We forgot about it. <laughs> so I mean, and and so by the way, since Matthew made that up. <laughs> you know, it was important enough to put that in. You know, so in other words, yeah. so that so yeah. Matthew was interested in getting that in there and wanted to have it out of Egypt because of, like you were pointing out, um, that uh, 
that Israel had come out of Egypt according to its historic or sacred stories, and so therefore um, you want, wanted to have Jesus ha- follow that same pattern. But it's a literary thing. Yeah, it's and it's good. also just good evidence that they're working backward from this conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah, the King, and trying to connect the dots from there in whatever way they can. And it's different ways. Right, exactly. So um, so anyway, so we got to Bethlehem. Joseph also went from the town. That's where we left off. Yeah, Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David, although he was not. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, who, and how, who was expected Wait, wait, wait. wait. How, how, how do you know that he wasn't, John? Um, there, there really, there's no, none of the, none of the Davidic line exists in the Bible after um, the book of, of Ezra and uh, Nehemiah. And so when, when the exiles first come back to Jerusalem, they are led by a... Exiles? Uh, exiles. Ex- exiles. Oh, ex- the ones in exile. Yeah. So when the people that have been exiled to Babylon, when they come back from Babylon to um, Jerusalem, when the Persians take over Babylon and create the Persian Empire across the entire Middle East, the Persian emperor says... You this is like the... Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and uh, Daniel. Daniel and the lion's den. This is their style. Yeah, yeah, those guys. So they were off. So when they come back, Babylon. there's no like descendants of David. There is one. There is. There's a guy. His name's Zerubbabel, which is a Babylonian word, which means um, a guy born in Babylon. Arubabel. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Yep. Zerubbabel. Yep. So Zerubbabel, and so Zerubbabel disappears though in the text, and then. And then he's gone. And then after he's gone, suddenly, like this thing, which is the most important thing in the whole damn Hebrew Bible, which is that the, this covenant, the, lineage the house of David, of David yeah. you know, and the idea that the house of David will rule forever. Like Zerubbabel is, he just, they stop talking about him and he's gone. Did, do, did Luke and Matthew link to Zerubbabel? Yeah, so they put him in the. They both they, do. They put him in the lineage, but it doesn't. But there's. It's not. It doesn't exist in the Old Testament text. So essentially, what happens? We don't know what happens because it's, there's nothing there. Because we don't have the brass plates. Yeah. Well, the brass, <laughs> brass plates are predate this. Yeah, the brass plates wouldn't know what happened to this. We don't have, but we have nothing. But essentially, what happens is that the Persian um, authorities, at a certain point, think that the Davidic. Kings are too are too um, you know uh, too dangerous, and so they get rid of them, and they instead have the the Zadokite priesthood, the, the descendants of Aaron, who are the priests, the high priests that they that the um, Persian emperors can appoint, the Sadducees, and so they are the people that end up being able to be in charge of the city and the temple and everything like that, and that's the that's the court, and they get rid of the Davidic house. And then it doesn't exist anymore. And so there's there's no reference to it in the Bible after that. Ladies and gentlemen, the entire Old Testament as summarized by John Hamer. John Hamer. (laughs) Yay! Are you getting your money's worth? Yeah, my God, I'm learning so much. Like, I... I never dreamed that I would learn what happened to to David's, uh, you know, descendants. I'll be lucky if I remember Zerubbabel. 
<laughs> oh, poor old Zerubbabel. Anyway, he disappears. <laughs> so All we right. don't know what happened. And so David, anyway. So David, so what? now we, what do we got? He, he was registered be- and he went. And while they were there, she's expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And so we're starting this Luke story actually in the second chapter. There was this whole um, chapter that happened ahead of time where Luke creates a relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist where um, where they're cousins because um, Luke creates a story about Elizabeth um, who is, is, is this the baby that is this when John the Baptist like jumps in her womb? This yeah. is the in utero greeting. Yes. Yeah. In utero greeting. And so, and so and, and it's essentially a, a retelling of the story of, of Samson's mother, because again, Luke, Luke is a very, um, has read the Septuagint backwards and forwards and creates almost all the Lucan material that doesn't exist anywhere else. You can almost always draw it out of the, um, the old Testament where Luke is repeating previous stories. And so essentially, um, Samson's mother and also Samuel's mother had both, um, uh, you know, been barren and hadn't been able to have children and they made a covenant with God and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. That's in chapter one. That was in chapter one that we skipped. So we're in chapter two now, and now we now we got. To, there's no room for them at the end. This is the regular Christmas story. So there we are. Go ahead. And and this is and this is the part that I love. It's just there's so much pathos there. Like the, they're in this city. She's pregnant. There's nowhere to go. They have to go to an inn. She wraps him in swaddling clothes. It's just very nice. It's this whole humanizing of Jesus. He's so you know of the people. Right. Yeah. And she lays him in a manger, which is. A foresh- because it's, that's the place where the food for the cattle would be, which is the foreshadowing of Jesus being the bread of life and the living water, and well, and this is and where like that Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation when we're stop loving blood. it, Heather. Stop I, it. I will not. Luke, I love stop this loving story. it. And Luke is a great you, writer, and I will like come December twenty fourth. I will tenderly read this with my children and enjoy it. So yeah, no matter what's said tonight, it's still a good t- story. Well, I, I, I remember uh, this was like a testimony builder for me that Jesus was the Christ uh, back when I was a believer um, because I, I, I had the idea like, you know, if maybe somebody told it to me, but and it resonated with me. But like, you know, if you're going to write a story of God, you know, being among men, he would be born a king. And oh. Jesus is born in the most humble circumstances imaginable. Therefore, yes. th- this story could not possibly be made up. <laughs> no, right. I mean, and and, the- and who would who would that humble Jesus restore his gospel to? Like a learned person? No, a fourteen-year-old <laughs> farm boy with a third-grade education, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, this is why. And so, it this is, is why Luke and Matthew have different authorial <laughs> ideas, right? So, Matthew definitely made the whole story be about kings. <laughs> Because that's what Matthew's like, yeah, of course, this guy is a king, and so he's prefigured by kings and, and wise men and everything like that that are, that, are, that are seeing all the signs in the heavens, the cosmos itself. And Luke's story is going to be the opposite of that, because Luke is a Hellenistic writer who is um, playing on all of these these Greek ideals that still appeal to us, which are, yes. like you're saying. Goddess is but not, it's, but it's, yeah. 
It's not totally the opposite because Luke has this wonderful way of melding the two together where half of the story is about his poor upbringings, his humble birth, and then half of the story is also making him divine. It's the humanization and also um, making him sacred and because he's being right. worshipped and all the angels are showing up. So it has that wonderful juxtaposition of both. Like Jesus is everything to you. He's, he's, he, you are, he's approachable. He's just like you. He's a man. But also, he is a god who's worshipped at his birth. It's both. It's great. And the, I mean, that happens in throughout Greek mythology, right? Where where like somebody is is unknown, and they're and they're in this place that um, you know you you wouldn't expect. To, so they're in this very common you know place, but but there is all the divine thing that are happening around them that that shows that they really are divine and are out of out of the ordinary in that space right. yeah yep all right is uh i think it's you heather in, in that, that region, region heather in that region there were shepherds living in the fields they were abiding in the fields by the way keeping watch over their flock by night and lo the angel of the lord came upon them then an angel of the lord stood before them and the glory of the lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid but the angel <laughs> said unto them do not be afraid. For see, I'm bringing you... For see... It's behold, isn't it? For behold, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To this, you, was, this was John Hamer, right? He was the <laughs> angel that did this? I sang it. I sang it, but it was it, it it really it was kind of fell flat at the first time. And so it took a couple more songs to kind of get them in the mood. They're like, What? Why, but why would they change glad tidings to good news? I mean, just glad tidings seems more poetic. It's so lovely. All of these words that you guys are trying to put back in, we don't actually say behold. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say tidings. I mean, I'm trying to say. Really? You, you haven't talked to me for long enough, John. Yes, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, what happened? I'm bringing you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Unto us a child <laughs> is born, right? Uh, okay. Unto us a son a is, is given. given. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly... Swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes. Bands of cloth. <laughs> bands of cloth. <laughs> All right, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. so unfamiliar with, like, the real text. <laughs> was, like, <laughs> like, an accurate translation? Yeah. Just because you were there. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. I mean, it's just like this, this, this whole... Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so were you guys taught that um, because the shepherds were out in the fields, that meant it had to be springtime because they'd be caring for the newborn lambs? And well, this of course. Is, April know 6th. That Jesus it was April 6th. April. April 6th, yeah. <laughs> the exact same time that the church was established exactly. in 1830, April 6th. You bet. <laughs> yeah. And then Proof. we switched it to December 25th for the Roman festival of... There would it, be Acacalia. snow if it was December. Right. Yeah. in Jerusalem, yeah. Oh, yes, back then. <laughs> People would be skiing down the slopes. <laughs> so that's why it's... <laughs> the next verse is, uh, uh, is, is okay. impossible not to sing, isn't it? Like, glory to God. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. But here's what I love. My favorite is that the, the angel shows up <laughs> and sends them on earth, good will to men. Peace on earth, good will to men. Ah. He's among those whom he favors. <laughs> right. <laughs> Children of gay parents, eh, just stop listening now. <laughs> okay. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. So I love that the angel sh- like sends them on this kind of scavenger hunt because he, <laughs> he could totally tell them he's in, you know, the stable behind Joe's inn, and everybody in Bethlehem, all the shepherds of Bethlehem would have known where this is. It's not that big of a town, right? But instead he's like, I'm going to give you two clues. <laughs> wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. If you find a child in a manger, no swaddling clothes, it's not him. Keep looking. You know, <laughs> it has to be both. Those angels are tricksters. Yes. And then they do, and they're like, oh, let's run down. I think we should do it. Okay, we got to read that part, though. Okay. Go ahead. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. <laughs> <laughs> this is killing me, man. And the rest of you, eh, not so much. Also, they're not singing. They're just praising God and saying. They just said it. Oh, there's no singing. Lame. Right. All right. There's no donkey. There's no singing. None of it happened. <laughs> okay. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go down now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has taken place, which the Lord has made known unto us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them, so amazed that they never mentioned it again or wrote it down anywhere. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So, so yeah... One of the things that in Luke's story that continuously happens is that whereas Matthew, like a lot of guys, uh, is very Joseph-focused, so Luke continuously has female characters, and Luke is interested in what Mary's doing, Luke is interested in, in prenatal stuff happening, Luke is interested in, in women's issues and problems and things like that, and, and, and widows. And so one, that's this is one of the reasons why some scholars have proposed that it's possible that Luke is one of these Christian widows who, um, you know, is one of the early converts to Christianity where, you know, older, wealthy women are actually supporting the early, yeah. the early m- movement of the church. Or, and or wait, some, wait, wait, wait. So that, so that the author of Luke was a woman? Yeah. Could be. Oh, interesting. So the author of Luke could possibly, because the author of Luke is very interested in women and women's issues, as opposed to Matthew, who doesn't give a rat's ass. You know? Or Joseph Smith in the Joseph early days Smith. of the Book of Mormon, That's right? right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and when, no, and, no, no. Because this is, and this is back to seminary again, because this is written by Luke, the physician, and that's why he knew that at six months, a baby could move, leap in the womb. <laughs> you did not hear that? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 That's, that's a traditional idea, that, that, but, there's not, but again, that has nothing to do with 
anything more than just a traditional association. But I think it's New Paul or something like that. Yeah, I I think it's important to point out to make it plausible is that Paul had no problem when he was setting up his Christian network as he was traveling, um, having women be in charge of the local community. Right. Well, and and, well, and he referred to them as apostles. So, in other words, women were able to be apostles in the early church, churches, or at least Paul's church. And Luke is associated with the Pauline branch. Of right. Church. But how do we know that that wasn't one of the things that cunning people like polluted the scriptures with to try and confuse us in our days? Because it's obviously not consistent with the revealed current word of God. Do you all are, are is is your like TBM whisper always on? <laughs> set on default. It's like it's like set on it's set on like antagonist over there. I mean, it's like that's level like, eleven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turn that up to eleven. Great. <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are saying right now. <laughs> Final tap. So. We we skip this whole we skip the whole enunciation to Mary. You know, speaking of this, these women, so we missed out on the whole famous Mormon doctrine that God is literally the semen donor of Jesus, right? In Mormon tradition, yeah. That's not that's not Mormon doctrine as much as Brigham Young doctrine. Brigham Young doctrine, yeah. We well, don't believe it that still anymore. Shows up. Isn't it in Isn't it in um, Talmadge's Jesus? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. It's not, we don't talk we don't, about that. No, no, no. We don't believe that now. We, us. Yep. I was reading a. I was reading a, a book of sermons published in the early 20th century of a pastor of the Toronto congregation who was just lambasted that idea, you know, and was just just like talking about Brigham Young saying, you know, R- Randy, would you correct him there? It's called lambasting. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's my word. Thank you very much. Yeah, come Sorry, on, lambasted Brigham Young. Idea that God the Father, God the Father is <laughs> doing the nasty with. <laughs> well, I, I, it was still taught to me again in seminary, and not just that, but that Mary was a special case where she would not be sealed to Joseph in the um, coming world, but that she belonged to God and would be one of His wives. But who is she, the daughter of then? Heaven so in other words, knows. is it like it's like God the Father is like actually brought her spirit from like some other he paid a dowry. gods? No, in other words, is he, he's, she's not she's not actually his spirit child, or is well, he I don't think having, that's implied. Who knows? It's, having, it's all going very Greco-Roman now. Own spirit child is my question. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to ask Brigham Young. <laughs> yeah, but Adam and Eve, like like who fathered all those kids? There was there was obviously divinely sanctioned incest back then so come on john adam wasn't having sex with eve's daughter you don't know that he was a polygamist he had to be <laughs> they're, they're, he, 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 if it wasn't adam it was one of their brothers i mean come on adam and steve it doesn't matter if he's having sex with steve he's having sex with his, his <laughs> he's having sex with Pete's daughter yeah that was just for fun okay i'm gonna read the next part Okay. (laughs) After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. One of the names given by the angel. (laughs) When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male should be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves 
in a pear tree. Yeah, right. (laughs) Or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. It's like a pre-patriarchal blessing kind of thing. It wasn't quite as official back then. It was kind of bastardized. You know. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servants in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which have prepared in the, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And with that, he gave up the ghost and <laughs> just died right there. Last yeah, words the of that's Simeon. The end of him. That's yep. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like all those early. Um, members of the the restoration who were promised that they'd see the second coming <laughs> yeah that's before why they, that's before they that's, died that's why i answered and, the patriarchal and, blessing thing and that worked exactly the same way for them yes <laughs> exactly so in in these apocryphal books of jesus as a youth is is that possibly a source or uh, are are there stories similar to this in those apocryphal stories of Jesus? So the, this is this is earlier. So Luke is writing uh. earlier before those stories. So those are essentially what happens is we have like the the Markan account, which is very way more compact, you know, and doesn't include all of this um, early childhood stuff or all these signs and of of the you know the later incredibleness of Jesus, but then. In, in Matthew and Luke, we have these additional accounts that they add into it. And then and then people just continuously build on that. So the, the stories get more and more incredible as as additional writers take up the, um, as take legend, up the topic. As legends usually do. <laughs> yeah, as legends do. And so and what people aren't aware is that those that the all of those you know, they're all part of the same genre, but at a certain point they they the canonical councils cut them off and said okay but these aren't going to be included because we don't believe these so so here's what i'm hoping because we watched zoolander last night as a family <laughs> so i'm hoping that in zoolander 2 they elaborate upon the story and talk about the virgin birth and that there was some <laughs> kind of like a simian who saw the young what zoolander Derek? Derek, Derek. yeah, Derek, yeah, right, and died right before. I saw him. They saw Blue oh, Magnum, yes. and they were overcome. Before there was <laughs> Magnum, right. <laughs> or, no, it was Blue Steel and Magnum. That's what it was. Yeah, right? yeah, Magnum. Magnum. The, what was the I'm, I'm hoping. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to, I've got fingers the, crossed. The fingers crossed. The, yes. the birth of Hansel. Right. <laughs> oh, he's so dreamy. <laughs> he's so hot right now. <laughs> All right, can I finish this out? Yep. Uh, and the child's father and mother, right? <clears throat> and the child's father and mother were amazed at what at what was being said about him. Then Sim- Simeon's still alive. Then <laughs> Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, 
and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna. Gosh, there's a lot of women. There's too many women. Every single time in Luke. So every so when we when we read Luke and Acts, Acts is just the second part of the Luke story. Um, it, there's almost always a woman that is paired with the man. So in other words, if Simeon, the male prophet, is going to do something, then Anna, right, does the same thing. If um, if Paul is the first person that um, that baptizes a um, a Gentile male in Europe, then Peter will do a Gentile female, you know. So there's always there, Paul, it, uh, Luke loves that kind of male female symmetry. So. Okay. And this is actually one of the ways the biblical apologists explain the divergent um, genealogies for Christ in Luke and Matthew, because they say the one in Luke then is probably Mary's genealogy, and she was also of the house of David, um, which. Is, is opposite of what the text says. The text right. says Joseph gives right. his name, but this is like the best argument the biblical apologists can come up with is yeah. that Luke right. loved women. He probably meant to write Mary. Right. Yes, <laughs> and wrote Joseph yeah. by mistake. Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's pretty good for an apologist. I mean, argument. Yeah. So, right. and she's also called a prophet. So prophet. there was also a prophet Anna Monson. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew, and this is like the dot, dot, dot. Okay, right. now, <laughs> now, like he's, the, now he's grown. Mont- montage. Yes. Montage, yes. With, montage. with the background yes. music right. from Survivor. Uh, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I tell you what, man, just that line alone has piqued the imagination of so many Christians of, like, filling in that gap. Like, what... And I probably, you know, is, is the reason why all those apocryphal, crazy stories arose. Right. Because so so Luke the, gives you nothing, you know? Well, Luke, Luke includes more than anybody else. <laughs> because Luke, <laughs> Luke, then, Luke then has the, you know, Jesus in the temple that comes next, right? Oh, is that in Luke? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, also the last appearance of Joseph, right? And as, of the, as the father. Right, right. Yeah, so Joseph and he disappears. pretty well gone, too. So, so yeah, what, the one nice thing, the reason why we read, even though this isn't often read in, in your Christmas, Christmas pageant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, this, the circumcision part of Jesus. Well, that's because it's like in January now. It's not Christmas anymore. Right. Well, but those wise men are not getting there. They're not coming to the stable, right? So sometimes the way they tell that story, that, that's later, right? <laughs> Plus, that would be a really weird-looking nativity, the circumcision of Jesus. His, his bris. <laughs> his, his, you know, his foreskin was probably resurrected and it grew back. <laughs> that's a good after question. Three days, after three days, the foreskin was there again. It was a miracle. But they didn't include that in the... Right. Why haven't I ever heard that before? I've heard about like ear piercings and tattoos, but never about the foreskin. Is that resurrected yes. or not? Are resurrected penises <laughs> circumcised or are they turtlenecks? Oh, that's too funny. Do they have a personality or not? <laughs> 
That's the Elaine Bennis. <laughs> yes, yes. I just watched that with Jake. <laughs> and you remember it. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the reason we don't read it, John, is because people might look to the next verse and see someone called Anna was a prophet and she was a woman. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that's and that's why Luke put that in there. So in other words, Luke <laughs> is busily fighting with people like the um, pseudo Paul that wrote the the Timothy epistles were saying that I, I, I command women. that a woman should <laughs> not, not speak me. in church. But what Luke is saying is, hey, look, here's a woman. The woman is a prophet, and she is speaking in the temple itself. And she is the, one of the people that is actually declaring that Jesus is the Messiah. So Luke is actually you know, presenting a massive counter-precedent to you know, the people who are dominionists who are trying to make women, you know, be inferior. And that and those contradictory opinions and those contradictory ideas are existing in the in the New Testament itself. And so. not that you needed a precedent because you have Deborah from you know, the prophet of the Old Testament and various others as well. Sure. But but it, this is going into the Christian scriptures because it's the contemporary argument. Yeah. So you have like you say, there are Old Testament prophetesses and or female prophets, and same thing in the New Testament too. We. Oui. Uh, All right. I'm surprised you included John because there's, there's really not a Christmas thing in here. Like he's he's like this is the Jesus Christ superstar gospel, and yeah, he, he's God right from the beginning. Unlike Mark, where he's the suffering secret prophet. J- uh, John, he is God from the beginning, and he tells everybody. Right. And so I guess the reason why I like, I like, okay, so in terms of our, our readings here, I, I included like, um, the, the portion. So John is writing this gospel. We don't know what the author's name is, but anyway, the uh, attributed to John, um, that is, it almost has nothing to do with history, <laughs> but it, it's, it, um, is far, the farthest away from Mark. And now John is just, taking and taking this theological idea of Jesus as God and then reinterpreting it back into how that God would have lived a life. And so instead of any of these kind of issues that are happening, that either kings are um, seeing that Jesus must have been a, a king that was born you know, in Matthew or shepherds or any other kind of Hellenistic symbols and everything like that. And John is just like, this is God. right from the start you know and so and so so the difference is between like again the historical jesus the jesus christs of scripture which are actually quite different from each other because each one of these authors has a very different impression of what jesus christ even is and then finally um the christ of theology which john is primarily speaking to do do you have dates I, i should have asked this earlier i thought it but but do you have dates for like the mark or even even the Q, the Mark, the Matthew, the Luke, the John, when they were written. Just right. educated guesses. Mark is 66. Matthew and um, Luke are placed in the 80s and 90s. And that's because... John because is that's, that's over because, 100. I was going to say, okay. the reason why they know... Josephus is 94, mm. which is not a gospel. It's just the record of the Jewish people. That's actual right. history. Um, I, but don't don't Matthew and uh, Luke have some kind of reference to the temple being destroyed, and that's why they th- they think it definitely happened after seventy A.D. Right? Yeah, and Luke and Mark even might. Yeah. So Mark Mark may well be a w- Mark is most likely written 
in a time period when the temple's already been destroyed, but before the end of the whole before the siege, the siege ended. Yeah, yeah. and so and so and that's why he is. He's got this kind of very particular apocalyptic view that he thinks that the end of the world is happening because the war is maybe ongoing, and and so as a result of Mark's kind of almost very bizarre view as far as all other Christians were concerned. Um, that's one of the reasons why Luke and Matthew felt the serious need to revise you know, Mark's texts. So Mark also may have done this thing where, so Mark has this very strange thing. Not only is there no nativity and no Christmas story at the beginning, but there's actually no... Um, yeah, no resurrection, all this kind of thing at the end. So almost all, the, there's a there's a little tiny um, ending that is in our Bibles usually, but it's an appendix that got added on because people hated the end of Mark's gospel, which is more or less that Jesus was gone, and um, and they told and the angels he more or less told the the women that saw that don't tell anybody, <laughs> you know, because it's all you know it's secret. all secret and everything yeah. like that. And so Mark um, apparently felt that there was going to be a second coming of Jesus that would have uh, that that there hadn't been any second coming in the meantime. So whereas the the gospels later kind of write where Jesus is kind of appearing to people, you know, like shortly after his death, that doesn't happen in Mark. And so instead, Mark takes those kind of stories you know where you have the kind of resurrected Jesus that is appearing as a spirit in glory and all those kind of things and Mark takes those stories and retrojects them earlier into the narrative and so Mark takes like a story of the people seeing like Peter James and John seeing the resurrected Jesus because he doesn't believe that Jesus has come back yet he takes that story and he puts it back and he creates the story of the Mount of Transfiguration or he takes the story of a dead Jesus who's already resurrected that's walking around on the water in the, in the Sea of Galilee, and he retrojects that and brings it back as if that happened while Jesus was alive. And so Mark like, completely like, makes this kind of crazy miracle thing by, by taking, because he doesn't believe that there's a resurrected Jesus yet, that he thinks that the resurrected Jesus is about to come. And all the other people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, we've, we've already, you know, like people already said they saw him and stuff like that. So, so that's why Matthew and Luke change it. And then people write different endings to Mark that get attached to the Mark. So well, I, I think we should cover that in more depth in April. And yeah, our Easter episode. Yeah, yeah, Easter. Yeah, we'll talk about Easter. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that Mark must have had that that document must have had some clout uh, uh, because like Luke and Matthew clearly don't like Mark, but they don't trash it and write their own fucking story. They take Mark and they embellish on it. Yeah. Whereas the community of John, whether they were just isolated, arrogant, <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah, they they looked at the what existed, or they didn't take anything from what existed, and they just wrote a whole new story. Yeah, right, right. It's a different yeah, set of stories. Yeah, yeah. They're but, like, but they that, may, they may have been aware of it. If they were, they totally rejected it. Totally. We yeah. Don't, we don't. We don't. But it's hard to know. And they were using their own source material. But it may be that they were writing theirs in reaction to the fact that these Markin stories were out there, and they hated it. Yeah, but but I love how you keep saying Markin. Well, yeah, that's really really cool. The, their communities, the Mark community, Markin. the Luke, the 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 Luke Matt Markin, the Yohanan, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mark and Lucan. Yeah. So we're getting close to one a.m. and all right. So we'll <laughs> whose sure fault is that, Glenn? Got, really, whose fault is that? I know <laughs> my MacBook. 
<laughs> we started an hour later because of my MacBook. Okay, so let, let's let's go. We've got like probably three readings on John. Okay. That's it. Glance. Is it me? No, I think it's Heather. Heather. In the beginning was the word for Heather. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And this is why we have Christmas lights at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do I continue? Finish it. Sure. He, He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Never. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. That's you guys. Who were born? That's everyone who believes on this, not of blood, Special or people. of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. There's Christmas, we, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. From His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Until Joseph Smith in the sacred crow. (laughs) Until then. That's why I actually included it up to this point. Or Stephen. (laughs) 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 When Stephen was stoned, yeah. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. There you go. So, in other words, the, what John has here is we, we've lost any semblance of trying to write a, like, a history, you know, which which was what... Uh, so you're saying we're not even pretending anymore. Not, yeah, it's a theology. Yeah, and so this is entirely a theology, right? So now we're, now John is trying to write about Christ, the theological idea, as opposed to um, Jesus Christ as a... The dude a, from Nazareth? Yeah, which which a Nazarene. <laughs> which, by the way, if you guys go to Facebook, and I don't know, do the do the trending stories on the Facebook sidebar are those tailored towards like individual taste? Because mine shows that there was some scientist who recreated the actual face of Jesus scientifically, and it doesn't look anything like these medieval paintings. Oh, yeah, that's the, is that on yes. your Facebook? Yeah, that's the. It that's, is on my Facebook. That's the Jufro Jesus with the dark right. skin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it could have been like in Starsky and Hutch. Right. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch. That was. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't. We. I. I would even say though that we don't even know that whether or not he's got a beard like that. <laughs> because 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 it, it, there this is it's a he doesn't have blue kind of eyes <laughs> and Nordic features. No, he doesn't have blue eyes hair. and Nordic yeah. features. In other words, these these horrible paintings that they made in the Romantic era, we should get rid of. <laughs> he probably looked exactly like Donald Trump. Uh, he's he's thirty. Donald Trump is. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as slippery as an eel. 
You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Ho, ho, ho. This is Santa Claus. And I like to stroke the fur on my reindeer while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website at infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, and if you want to stay off the naughty list, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. <laughs> I did. Anyone for a nice tall glass of milk and some homemade cookies? Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. read those scriptures, you know, every day leading up. But so we'd read John 1 on um, Christmas morning, which is always such a bummer because nobody wants to stop and read the scriptures when the house is full of toys and food. <laughs> but but I'd, and make them suffer through, through John. But my favorite one was um, day 24, which is Psalm 130, which is, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Yay, I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Oh, I love Christmas. I can't wait. See, and I'm just excited for Star Wars to come out. <laughs> I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Saturday. Oh. Six days. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to create a Star Wars Awakenings advent calendar. It's for Christmas. <laughs> oh, on, it's Friday, right? Well, yeah, but I, my tickets are for Saturday. Oh, uh, okay. I, I got it. Yeah, I well, well like, to look forward to. Like Another that. virgin birth. Anakin. <laughs> oh, man. Right? Stop talking about prequels. <laughs> oh, my favorite line in the trailer is Han Solo turning to her. The, the, I don't know, this woman's and saying, it's true. It's all true. All of it's it. all true. All, all of, of it. it. <laughs> every yeah, single legend you've ever heard, every detail <laughs> is absolutely true. Yeah. Don't oh ruin God, it for me, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a stupid line. Really? Look, I conne- felt the spirit. I loved it. <laughs> the connection is Yoda, Spencer W. Kimball. Oh, my. The Force <laughs> is the priesthood. Like George Lucas knew what he was talking about. He was tapping into truth and he didn't even know it. John Hamer is a Star Trek fan. Oh, does that mean you hate Star Wars? Pretty much. So, so obviously I'm of the age. Obviously. Where uh, I was seven when Star Wars came out and so therefore it was the biggest deal in all of the universe. Right. You know, and um, and went through and had... um, Or at least the galaxy. It was the biggest deal in the universe. <laughs> Whole universe. <laughs> superlatives, superlatives. The toys, superlatives. man. The toys were I had so all the cool. Toys. I had the ad ads, you know, like in. Oh yeah, ever. and the and the hoth thing where they you had, had like, an, the little, you were the little rich pegs fuck. that would fit into the holes on the I feet of the action yeah, figures. No, I, had a, I had a I had a paper out. 
So of course I had an ad ad and <laughs> paper <else>. route. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. Well, you're you're yeah. four years, three years older than me. But like, I would when we go to Toys R Us, I would look at the ad ads just with such like longing, like it was right. something that was so far away from my reach, but was so beautiful. Uh, like I was lucky to get like three Star Wars figures for Chris. We were so fucking poor. Did they make Jesus action figures in like Constantine times? Yes. Was was like was the Jesus story is what we just way, read. Yes. Was that, that was Star the Star Wars of its age? Yes, absolutely. It was <laughs> that was the Star Wars of its age. <laughs> the Teddy Ruxpin of the Theodosian era. Nice. See, I just wanted to tie it all back in <laughs> as we end. We're all we're all six years. Uh, there's only a six year range in all of our four of our ages, so we're pretty much from the same generation. All born I don't in the appreciate 70s. you telling the listeners how old I am, Randy. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> this is all bullshit crap that's going to be lopped off at the end. It better be because I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> did we have an end yet, or did I just like hijack it? You pretty much hijacked it with your Trump. Trump. I hijacked it. It was the Trump moment. We just echo and it kind of echoes off. Trump. Donald Trump. The war on Christmas, yes. Oh my we god. Let's talk about the war on Christmas. This is my favorite time of year. This is when I pull out my this is the only time I pull out a gun to enact my war on Christmas. <laughs> Star War on Christmas. Oh, <laughs> oh no. we're back to Star Wars. <laughs> I should not have had that second Moscow mule. It just ruined everything. Thanks.